to the Turn Row Podcast. Um, with us today, we have uh, Beto Alvarez, uh, an agronomist from Ulysses, Kansas, with us, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about coffee production. Uh, as as usual, uh, we have John Gibson with us. Hello. And, uh, Ethan is is Ethan Diver is out this morning, so uh, he will not be with us. But uh, first, I guess let's start with an introduction of of you, and why don't okay. you tell the listeners uh, a little bit about yourself? Okay. Well, first off, uh, thank. I'm glad to be part of this podcast. Um, I'm actually a K-State graduate. I went to, uh, I grew up in Honduras and after I got done with high school, I had the opportunity to go to Kansas State University. And while being there, I interned with CropQuest uh, two summers. And after that, I had the opportunity to get a full-time job with them in uh, the Ulysses Kansas divisions. And since then, I've been here. Uh, I've been full-time for three years. Some of my passions is agriculture for sure and also how we can innovate and do things better. So with that, that's a little bit about me. Cool. Well, I guess we will uh, go ahead and we'll lead on with the, the talk for today. Um, one of the major things that uh, is in the Honduras um, agriculture, is that how you would say it, Beto? Like one of your primary um, agricultural commodities would be coffee? in, in uh, yes yes you're right uh i think since the early 2000s coffee has become more popular and it had its boom and in the last four three or four years we've had really good coffee crops but now with so much supply worldwide we're starting to see a decrease in coffee acres just because it's not paying to grow coffee so um, why don't we start out, Beto, with maybe the environment that coffee's grown in and um, talk a little bit about the elevation uh, okay. that it likes and, and go into a little bit of the basics. Yeah, so coffee is a perennial crop. Uh, it's a small shrub or tree. Coffee likes cooler climate and it also likes altitude. So our farm back in Honduras, we grow coffee, everything from 5,200 to 5,800 feet. Uh, coffee can be grown from 3,800 feet in altitude, but quality is just varies depending on altitude. Your better coffees are grown 5,200 to 5,800 feet in altitude. Um, also, maturity varies when you grow coffee at different altitudes. Your higher altitude coffees don't mature evenly as your lower altitude coffee. So there's a lot of variability there, and I think elevation and also climate are the big factors that affect coffee production. Beto, you said um, it likes lower temperatures. Can you define what a, lo a low temperature or the, the optimum temperature for coffee growing conditions would be? Okay, and my lower temperatures may be different from your guys's where <laughs> you're talking about negative degrees <laughs> here, but uh, coffee likes everything from 50 to 70 degrees Fahrenheit that's kind of the optimum um, temperature where coffee is going to be at its maximum production. And I think there's a lot of crops, you know, that also like those, I mean, higher 70 or lower seventies and 65s, you know, that's where it's going to be the higher, higher production. So 
yeah, I would say 50 to 70 degrees, that's where you want coffee to grow. So um, let's say that you're starting a coffee field, right? Um, mm -hmm. Can you walk us through how long it takes from the time you plant your seed to the time you're in uh, production? Yep, that's a good question. Um, coffee, usually after planting, it's two to three years to start production. So when you invest in coffee, you're not reaping the benefits of your production straight away. Pretty much you need to have a plan you know you, you cannot just plant coffee and expect the next year to harvest you have to wait two or three years when you start harvesting um coffee plants you know it's i don't know sugarcane kind of similar alfalfa it's to give you an idea you know your production starts once you plant and it's coffee you know after two or three years it'll start producing but your maximum production is not till your fourth to your sixth year and after that starts funding so after your sixth or seventh year, you start thinking about, okay, are we going to cut all of the coffee trees and plant new ones, or are we just going to keep them a year or two later? And a lot of it has to de depends on production. So um, right now, I, a lot of the coffee we have in our area, it's in their third or fourth year, and it's doing very well, but we don't know if we're going to keep it just because we're not – or what we're producing and what we're investing in our crops, it's not paying off. It doesn't pay off all the, all the employee investment that you make, all your inputs. So we may be done with coffee there at the fourth year. So. That's a pretty def tough decision to make is, as you said, <laughs> you gotta wait till you, you're in the fourth or fifth year before you're in your prime. Mm -hmm. And if you've already planted and already projected to plant this or plant that or keep it to switch would be tough. Yeah. You're talking about a pretty much a 10 year investment. Once you get into th that plant on the ground, once you plant that plant, I mean, you're talking about 10 years before you think about doing something else. If everything works right. So um, let's talk about yield a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, how, how do you quantify yield or, or, you know, uh, do you, do you do it? And maybe go into that, and do you do it per uh, tree or bush, or is it general? Or Okay. Well, back home we talk, we talk hectares, but I'm not going to talk hectares because I don't want to confuse people. <laughs> I, I've made your life easier. I'm going to talk acres. Uh, Thank you. We appreciate that. <laughs> hey, no problem. We, we, won't, we don't have to get our calculator out. <laughs> I was going to talk Celsius, but I, I decided it was either talk, easier to talk Fahrenheit. So. Um, Coffee per plant, you're getting around five to ten pounds of actual beans with with pulp. So that's just a raw product. After that, you have to process it to where you get it to green coffee, and that's the way we export it. I mean, you cannot export it with the pulp. You have to export it green. And you're talking about a pound final product per plant after you – when you say 10 pounds, you're talking per, per bush or? Per tree. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, you know, you go from 10 to 1, and that's your final product. So you're pretty much getting a pound per tree per season. And we're talking about harvest starts in November, and it ends in late February. And because coffee doesn't mature evenly, you're only going to pick the ripe berries. So, I mean... Through 
through those months, you're picking around 10 pounds per tree. Okay. And that's pretty good production. So why don't you walk our listeners through uh, the harvest of coffee? Okay. So after coffee gets picked, and it's all manual labor, I mean, it's hand-picked, um, you know, it looks like a cherry, and it has a pulp that has really, really uh, thick, viscous uh, liquid. It's like a honey. And after you pick the coffee from the tree, you let the coffee sit and you let it ferment because you want, if you don't let it ferment, then you're not going to be able to take that honey away from the coffee. And that's going to cost the coffee to rot a lot sooner. You want that coffee dry. So after it gets picked, it'll go through a machine and it's going to ferment. And then after it goes through that machine, the pulp comes off and then you're going to go and let it ferment some more. And you leave it for maybe two or three days fermenting. And then after, after that, you're going to have to wash it to take all that sticky honey off the coffee bean. After that, you're going to let it dry in the sun for as long as it takes to get it to 13 to 14% moisture. And after the coffee is dry enough, we bag it into sacks, and that's how it gets exported to other when you say, countries. Um... When you say you let it sit after harvest, does that sit on the ground or in in storage? No, it's it's big. I don't know. They look like Sacks. pools. No, it's it's a concrete like tub. Okay. And and we let the coffee sit there. Um, is that the, is it is that when you when you say ferment? Is it after you process it? Does it sit in another? Yeah. Uh, concrete bunker ish type. Yeah, and and it it's a big. Um, when you look at the coffee, where, where we process the coffee, it's, it's a big building and, it, and it's like, it has a way that you start from one side and end up on the other side and you know, you let it sit, then it goes through the pulping machine and then it get carries to another place where we let ferment some more and then there's another place that we wash and the end product is just coffee beans, green coffee beans that that's what you export. So how long, how long does it take um, from the time you harvest it to the time you have something to export? It takes a week. Okay. It's a week-long process. Okay. Yeah. And I think the, you know, 60, 70% of that process is just letting it ferment and letting it dry. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the struggles we have, though, is because after we process it and we have it ready to go, our infrastructure in Honduras is not a, as good as other places. We don't, we don't have trains or we don't have rail uh, rails or the only way we can haul coffee is through um, with vehicles or trucks and roads are not that good. And, you know, we're over there, you know, what takes you 40 miles to go here, you know, it takes you what 50 minutes to drive 40 miles here. It takes you almost two hours over there just because of road conditions. So that's one of the biggest challenges we have over there also, apart from low prices and um, infrastructure, that's one of the things we worry about the most, especially at the end of the season, because if it rains, we don't know how to get product out. So um, why don't we talk about a little bit, once you have your final product, how it's marketed, and um, there after that go into 
whether it goes into a Bulger's bag or whether it goes into Starbucks or that kind of thing. And maybe, um, and, and just see, we'll just see where that goes. Okay. So there's different ways you can market your coffee. Um, one of them is sell it to a middleman that will eventually sell it to someone else who will export it. A lot of people go that route because it's easy money, and but sometimes you're not getting the most out of your crop. What some people did and what my family is involved in, we're part of a co-op that we, the members of that co-op will take the coffee to that co-op and we are all um, involved in the process of selling it to other countries. And then once we sell, you know, that money goes back to the members. Um, so there's been a lot of co-ops that have recently showed up just because of that reason, because people want to get a fair fair money for their coffee um other people and some people that are more business oriented are doing is they're selling their coffee directly to their buyers in other countries so there's different ways to market your coffee i mean some work better than other and i mean it's just a matter of how much involvement you want to have in your process of selling and marketing and all of that so when when you say sell on market it, we're talking about a raw product, not a roasted product, correct? No, um, most coffee, I would say 98% of the coffee that's you drink here, it's green coffee. And when I'm talking about green, it's just been through the uh, harvesting process and it's been dried out and that's how we sell it. And that that's how the coffee gets exported to other countries. When so coffee gets exported here, Sorry, that's interesting. So you're saying you guys market it not knowing that maybe you're getting a premium product like Starbucks or I'm no. going to say it's premium, uh, you know, or yeah. a coffee house versus Volgers or something that, you know, maybe lower quality. That, that's yeah. interesting. And I don't want to, I don't want to burst anyone's bubble, but <laughs> I think a lot of coffee that you guys drink here or that Starbucks sells, that McDonald's sells, and they market it as, fair trade, I don't know, rose from Colombia, from the high mountains of Ethiopia. Or, <laughs> I, I really don't know if it's exactly that because once it, it gets exported, I mean, it can go through a lot of hands. And I mean, coffee is coffee. There's no way to figure out if there's a protein that actually tells you where it's from or there's a way to, you know, so. What is that guy's yeah. name, Beto, the, the, the guy on the donkey? Oh, Pancho Villa is it? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, the guy in the commercials. I know, know, I know who you're talking about. He has I figured a, he's the one that grows all the coffee for him, right? Oh no, yeah, he shows up once in a while. <laughs> no. I mean, he doesn't show up to your house. No, <laughs> you can just see the tracks of the donkey and you know, the footprints of him. Um, so Why yeah. Why don't you uh, talk about, you know, you briefly, we briefly touched on coffee qualities and, and um, I'm probably the only one in our group that is not much of a coffee drinker, but uh, talk about the, the roasting. You know, I, I know I personally, we've had conversations about the different roasts and stuff and maybe, maybe now would be a good time to uh, go over that. Okay. Well, growing up, and when I go back to Honduras, we only have one roast. We, we do not have a lot of options. And I mean, 
I think the best way I can explain my roast back home is a medium roast. So it's not really strong, dark coffee. It's more like a medium roast. Um, now, why, why would you say that you only, you know, that maybe you guys stick with a medium versus you go other places and you have dark and medium and, and light and all that? Yeah. I, honestly, I think it's just part of market. Gotcha. I mean, um, and, and let me explain myself a little bit more. Um, I guess growing up, we just, or we back in Honduras, we have a medium roast. And I mean, that's what we drink. I mean, you go to a coffee place, they don't, I mean, if you want coffee, they'll give you what they have. And usually it's pretty good. One of the things with coffee though, when people or coffee experts, they want to know more when, when they're trying to, I guess, give coffee a certain uh, number or a certain value they're looking for aroma and citrus and the lighter roast you have the more you can taste that i mean if you have a coffee that has a lot of aroma and, and citrusy taste to it you don't even have to you don't even have to add sugar or creamer i mean it you it's sweet it has a different taste than some of these darker blends or roasts that you know are a lot darker and a lot stronger coffee so Growing up, like I said, had one roast, then I come here and you go to the supermarket and there's like 20 roasts. You know, it's interesting because I've seen your family's coffee out of the bag and you go and get out of a, let's say, let's use Volgers, for instance. Uh, You open it up and and here you're just used to seeing black, dark coffee, but yours is more of a, almost a very, very light cream or tan color it look, looks like cinnamon kind of does yeah. yeah yeah it's it definitely has a different different look to it you can tell yeah so and that's the issue you know uh some of these big corporations market their coffee as you know high altitude fair trade but the roast is everything you can ruin the coffee good coffee with the roast i mean you can have the best coffee but they burn it and it's a dark strong coffee i mean there goes your, there goes all the, all their qualities. And so what you're, what you're saying is <laughs> we're getting, we're used to drinking all the reject coffee that's already burnt. Well, not necessarily. <laughs> I, I think it could be, you, you don't know. I mean, it's kind of hard to tell, <laughs> yeah. yeah. but a lot of it's just a roast. I mean, you know, depending, you know, when it, the product gets here, it's still green coffee. It doesn't get roasted until it gets to, you know, the coffee shop or wherever wherever it's going but the roast has a lot to do with the taste of the coffee so um, So would you say that like whenever you're growing it like what's what's the key quality that you're going for is it like you know tonnage or uh you know pounds or whatever per bush or is it quality of the coffee bean uh, it depends. It's like wheat, you know, and protein. Some some co-ops don't care about protein. Some people that ex- export to other places they'll care about protein. Um, depending on who you're selling selling it to, I mean, they're gonna you're gonna want more of something. Um, the way we sell, we want more quality, more than quantity. Um, but the way prices have been lately, you want more quantity than quality, just because you want to cover costs. Uh, like I said, citrus and aroma are two big factors when you drink coffee that you're looking for. I mean, another factor that's important, like I said, elevation. It's 
you know, a lot of coffees, when you look at it, you know, they're talking about elevation in the bag, like, okay, this is high elevation coffee, which means there's a correlation to better quality coffee. So there's several factors that come into play, but I think the biggest one are elevation, citrus, and aroma. So which, does your, does your co-ops, do they, will they pay for the quality? They do pay some. They, they, they pay a small premium, but I mean, it's not much. We're talking about a few, few pennies just yeah. for that. So. Yeah. yeah. And another thing is uh, there's some farms back in Honduras that some of their coffee will go into auction here in the United States. And they're talking about making, well, the last winner of that auction, because it's kind of like a competition, got $124 per pound of coffee. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes quality pays if, you know, if they're looking for quality. So when you're talking about $124 pound, uh, per pound of coffee, that's a lot of money. When, does, what, does name have anything to do with that? Or, you know, your, 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 your farm's name or anything, you know, kind of like cows? Does that no, uh, it or, or or maybe your country that it's coming from? I think country. I think regions have a lot to play with it. Um, there's certain regions because of the altitude or the elevation and um, soils and the way it gets formed has a better reputation than other places. But you know, it's like anything else here. You know, they're they're sampling coffee and they they kind of um, they're they're going to kind of select it according to what they're finding in their samples you know if it's better quality then they're gonna market it as better quality coffee if it's not better quality then it's going to go to Folgers I'm not trying to <laughs> a little zinger there offend anyone there <laughs> if anybody doesn't know he's not a huge fan of Folgers coffee yeah <laughs> so what what do they do with like you know, you said it takes multiple years to to get ready. What what do they do with the the coffee beans that like those first couple years? Well, I mean, when you're when you're growing uh, quantity, the first couple of years, you're you're still going to have some harvest. But you know, some guys have been growing coffee, I know, their whole life. So I mean, you kind of overlap where you already have production in other acres and you're just adding new acres so i mean that's kind of subsidized your newer acres um but you know for someone who's starting from scratch i mean you have to think about growing other crops or having some other kind of um, revenue in order to survive right so beto let's let's take a step way back to the beginning of the conversation and let's talk about coffee pests yeah. Um, maybe pests or even uh, weed pressure or how you take care of those kind of issues um, yeah. before you get to harvest. Okay. Uh, starting with weeds, we, we have a, you know, more of a warmer climate and it doesn't get as cold as here. So we're going to have weeds all year long. We have a lot of grasses that are an issue. And I mean, we don't have any traits in coffee or any kind of way to control weeds with herbicides without damaging the coffee. So, you know, we rogue a lot of weeds most of the year. Um, so it's a lot of hand, you're talking hand hoeing and, and everything, all the above yes. to get yeah. it clean. Hmm. Yeah. You know, it's, there's been a lot of research finding other ways to do it, but uh, it all comes back to, you know, 
pulling weeds and hoeing weeds because there's nothing we can do about it. Um, Insect-wise, there's a lot of there's not a lot of insects, but there's some insects that can cause a lot of damage. One one of them is a coffee borer, borer and and that's another thing. Um, it's very important to harvest all of the crop and 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 not leave any beans hanging from the tree, because that borer will that the, that bean is going to be the host, and it's going to affect that borer is going to affect the coffee tree itself. Does that so, affect, it, what about the beans, you know, I, I'm envisioning kind of like an orchard where you have fruit that lands on the ground. Is that yeah. going to be a problem if you have beans on, on the soil surface? It's not so much a problem if it's on the soil surface as it's, if it's, you know, if it's in the tree itself. So that uh, bean, coffee bean borer is one of our biggest uh insects that we worry about and you know the way we manage it is just trying to harvest all the coffee and not leave anything there that can keep them alive so so it's like if, if you have a problem do you get docked if you will at, at the co-op no, or, or it's or gonna be more of a coffee production problem where yield just drops you know okay. the, the the coffee tree will you know that those branches get affected by the boar are just gonna die and oh. you know your production is gonna be less so is there a lot of trimming and stuff that goes on with these trees or bushes or, or do you just let? Um, it used to be um, an issue back then where coffee would get so tall or so big that you would trim it because you don't want that coffee spending its energy trying to grow vegetatively. New varieties now, um, you don't have to worry about that. They're kind of determinant under high and I mean, you don't worry about it. So production is a lot more now. The coffee trees stay smaller. And I mean, I'm glad that we have some varieties now that we can kind of work with that can do that. Yep. And now going to diseases, we've in the last few years have had a lot of trouble with diseases. Um, one of the biggest diseases we have is the rust it's it's we have rust over there and because you know the weather doesn't cool down and we get a lot of rain you know we have a lot more issues with rust over there um applying a fungicide gets really expensive so we're we've been trying to work more and more just trying to improve soil conditions you know improve our chlorine our sulfur and copper and we use a lot of foliar copper just to try to control the seeds pressure when you say rust, is are we talking leaf rust, or does it get on the the, the stem? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going well. We have leaf rust a lot, okay. and and the problem is, like any plant, you know, once that rust is in the leaf, the leaves just die, and then you know we lose our chance of photosynthesizing. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. So some varieties also get affected more than others, and ones that get affected the most are more susceptible to it you can lose your whole crop if you have bad rust yep well hopefully that's kind of coffee in a nutshell i don't know if you guys have any other questions about you got any other things uh, that you can think of john that you want to what one thing i was wondering about is so if you got like 56 pounds of corn in a bushel like kind of give us a reference of how much coffee is in one pound of coffee beans. 
Well, okay, so a, a pound of coffee beans is a pound of coffee beans. Um, when it comes to coffee with a pulp, you know, we're talking 10 to 1 almost conversion, where from 10 pounds of, um, you know, coffee with a pulp, you're going to down to one uh, pound of coffee beans, like what you know about what you see. Um, when it comes to bushels, we talk over there of sacks of coffee, and we're talking about sacks of a, almost 100 kilograms. So uh, I don't know what the conversion is there from kilograms to pounds, but, you know, we're talking a lot, a lot more than a lot more pounds there. So it's all in sacks. We don't use bushels. Uh, the way that the people that pick the coffee talk about it is called, we call it canastas, which in it's pretty much like bushels, but you know, we're talking about 30, 40 pounds. That's what they'll pick per canasta. And then you, they get paid, they get paid according to how many canastas they, they pick. Hmm. So, you know, so someone good at picking coffee. kilograms is 220 pounds. Yeah. So 220 pounds sacks. That's, that's how we uh, base coffee from. And I mean, you can get a few stacks out of an acre, you know, if you have really good production. So, but how many, how many of these plants are you planting per acre? Uh, it varies. I mean, we're talking about 800 and 900 plants per acre. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And you know, most farms over there are a big farm. You would consider 10 acres. I mean, medium farms, our farm, it's maybe four to six acres, but you know, it's a lot of intensive work and sometimes we don't have the manpower to work all those acres. So, so on your let's let's use your farm for for instance um mm -hmm. on your four to six acre coffee production how how much manpower does it take to to get all the work done yeah so in our farm we have three full-time people and usually during harvest season we have maybe 10 people okay wow. you know yeah it, it takes a lot of manpower just to get all oh, that hey, harvest yeah yeah, yeah. So, but in our farm, one of the reasons my dad keeps growing coffee, even if it doesn't pay off, um, you know, we're not making money. It's just because we're providing jobs for some of the people there that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And yeah. sometimes people have to come from other villages or other towns just to help us because we can't get enough people around mm -hmm. to help us with harvest and other things that go around year round. So. Can you think of anything else we left out, John? No, it's very interesting, though. It is. Well, I mean, the, a lot of things. That, well, until I was around Beto, I had no idea about the, the roasts and the aromas and the quality. I mean, for me, <laughs> being not a coffee drinker, it, it's pretty bitter. Um, I just I don't have a liking for it. But, um, you know, I know my parents and a lot of other people do. So. But I do know that the people that have drank this coffee, one comment they make is that it does taste better. Once you get used to it, you don't want to go back. But as I've also heard um, some say that they, they feel like it has a little more caffeine, like it's a little little stronger coffee compared to some of the stuff that we're used to. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with having more caffeine. It <laughs> I need a little stronger punch in the mornings. That's that's the best part of waking up, huh? 
That's right. <laughs> well, and talking about that, I think one of the other things that took me a while to get used to, back when we drink small cups, we, I mean, we're talking about eight to ten fluid ounces, and that's that's good enough. But you come here and you go to you go to a shop and you ask for a small, and you know your small is it's twelve ounces or so. I mean, here it seems there's a lot. You drink a lot more volume, and back home, you know, you go to a place and you may be disappointed if you ask for your biggest one and it's actually <laughs> the size of your smallest one here. Well, and that that brings up a good point because. Uh, maybe maybe I'm wrong in saying this, but some of the older generations, like our grandparents and stuff, would drink coffee all day long, you know, small cups and stuff. And now it seems like it's more in the morning or when you're tired. But um, for, for you guys in particular, you guys drink it all the time and almost as a dessert, correct? Yeah, well, usually the way it goes over there, you drink coffee in the morning, you drink after your meal at noon, and then maybe a cup after supper that's pretty much how it goes some people use it instead of drinking juice or soda they'll drink coffee and once you go out into smaller towns that's the way they do it so i mean people are used to drinking coffee three or four times a day over there and even before going to bed i mean growing up i i used to drink coffee before going to bed and i could sleep right after it but i guess the older i get i mean it's harder for me to drink coffee at night and go to bed early Uh, well Beto we appreciate you being on the podcast um and thank you for all of our listeners to listening uh to the turn road podcast and I forgot to introduce myself I think at the beginning um Kevin Hecht and me and John Gibson are the host Ethan is gone and we appreciate you guys listening and uh we get a, a shout out to Colt to uh give our listeners where they can contact us on social media. Yeah. Um, if you're interested in uh, submitting questions or anything, you can contact us at media.cropquest.com. Um, you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at CropQuest Inc. Um, be more than happy to hear from you guys. Thanks again for listening and until next time. See you guys.